From the Power Business Technology Toshiba Studios, KHTKAM Sacramento, KYMX HD2 Sacramento, the only station in Sacramento giving you local sports coverage from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Sacktown Sports. The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Rolling right along here on Sacktown Sports on this February 20th. A couple more days we have to wait for Kings to be back in action when Victor Webinyama will be in the building on Thursday. Look forward to that. Kings and Spurs. Bottom of this hour, Frankie Cardicelli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider, will join us. Also at 9, one hour from now, Casey Pratt. Still to come, we'll get you to 10 o'clock. Styles and Watkins. We have some crosstalk celebrity birthdays coming up. Uh, with those guys. Carmichael Dave joined us in the first hour of the show. A reminder, too, if you ever miss any portion of any of our shows, all you have to do is go to sacktownsports.com, hit our podcast page. Uh, you can find our shows if you go to YouTube as well. Um, subscribe there. We appreciate that. And uh, you can follow us and watch us daily. Any of our shows between us, Styles and Watkins, The Drive Guys, anything we're doing here on Sacktown Sports. A lot of hard work going on there. So please uh, check out all the things we have to offer. Um, so uh, I've been asking about this and talking about this the entirety of the show is kind of this through line of the ring culture that we've all created. And I say we, but I guess we, we have, right? When we're, we get this all the time, like comparisons. I saw a lot of this stuff, like who's going to be the next player to carry the NBA mantle once LeBron retires. And if you, I've, every time I think of LeBron, then people talk about the goat. Is he the goat? Well, he can't be because it's Jordan. Well, why? Why is it Jordan? Well, Jordan did this, this, and this. You're always going to frame your argument and find the stats and the reasons that benefit it. And this, I mean, these debates, I don't want to say are completely silly because, one, you just can't prove them. But it's it's opinion, and that's fine. People have opinions. That's, that's what sports talk. And this team was the greatest of all time, and because this. Okay, sure. Um, how do you prove it? We don't. We can't. But people have opinions, people have thoughts, and a lot of this, though, is when you're arguing this, well, no, it's this person or this team because the Yankees have won more titles than anybody. The Celtics and Lakers, LeBron won more, Brady won more. Win, 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 win. I I think that's a fair way, more fair, I guess, to do it, but is it the entirety of the right way? And so what I mean by ring culture of it's kind of become an all or nothing. And we, I think we're this way as a society. It's like, oh, you're second. You know, if you're not first, you're last, said the great Ricky Bobby. Um, are you? Is that is that is there anything to being second or third or one of the greats or on the list of a great team, but you didn't win at all? Or is that where we is the end all be all is is everything of that? And so recently over the weekend, there were a couple of things that kind of fit along this narrative that not in the same entirety, but that's, that's all they're doing. Yesterday news came out during the all-star break. So kind of to me, a little bit of an odd time for the Brooklyn Nets to fire Jock Vaughn. I'm not even saying he's doing this most amazing job. I don't think the firing is, is an injustice. Let me look at what the Nets are. Yeah. 21 and 33. 
it's understandable. He's had a little bit of a run. But I think the question I would ask the Brooklyn Nets is, what are you doing? Like, what's – I think I know what the end goal is. They true, truly are chasing a championship. And they believe that Jacques Vaughn is not helping them get closer to that. Fully understand, get the business, that's what you're trying to do. But the Nets have been doing this for a while, and they're not the only team. Kings have been guilty of this and others in the past. So if you think about a team like the Brooklyn Nets, if we go back to, it's about 10 years ago now, I think 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there, when they kind of went all in on a trade that ultimately got them Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Uh, they also had on that team Joe Johnson, Darren Williams. Brooke Lopez, I think, was there. And it was like this team, you know, not how many titles are they going to win, but, you know, they'll probably get one or two in Brooklyn and finally get a title to the Brooklyn Nets. And I know they had a playoff appearance, and then I think they lost in the second round, and it was underachieving. And then ultimately, coach back then, they had P.J. Carlissimo that turned into Jason Kidd. Then they turned that coach into Lionel Hollins into Tony Brown, to Kenny Atkinson, Jacques Vaughn on interim. No, it's not Jacques Vaughn. Now we need Steve Nash. Back to Jacques Vaughn, and now it's Kevin Ollie. Also along that run for the Brooklyn Nets, they went through it again. And I don't blame them for adding in one summer Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Go for it. I mean, if you can add those two players, do it. It's awesome. And moved off from some other young, talented players, but... You know, that's how you have to get some players like that, ultimately, when you also added James Harden. And some say this is going to work. They're going to win a title, too. Others say it can't work. Ultimately, all those guys are gone. That, that didn't even last very long, and they didn't play that many games together. And now what is Brooklyn? They, they were able to salvage Ben Simmons out of this. What is he, besides Dave's favorite player? Um, what are the Nets? They're just now in that constant chase of back to – ring culture and I guess again that's what we frame this that's what we've decided that's how we end a season and everybody wants that and everybody wants to have a parade and be the one hoisting the trophy that's that's what you do and we're fresh off the Niners falling short in a game a Super Bowl game I still think they could have won maybe should have won but didn't and what's that mean were they terrible they have a bad season no they had a heartbreaking ending and they're going to keep chasing. And that may have been their best window. They may have an opportunity two or three more times. I don't know the answer to that. Football changes quicker than basketball. But it's kind of back to that, you know, Dame Lillard wins the All-Star Game MVP. He'd been in the All-Star Game before in Portland. I don't think he won the MVP because he's in Milwaukee. That's ultimately not what Dame is going for. He wants to win a title. I think he wanted to stay a Blazer. I think at some point the Blazers got to that position where they realized – it's going to be tough to trade an iconic player, but we're not going to win a title with him right now, not the way we're constructed, and he still has value, so let's move on from him. That, to me, makes more sense as the business part. Other people looking at I don't think Dame wanted to be in a ring-chasing spot. Now, when I think he realized it was getting to a position where they were going to move him, he was putting the pressure on them. He had, remember, publicly said he'd like to play for Miami. That was very, he was very public about it. Instead, they kind of did him a solid. Milwaukee was intrigued. Sent him to a team that is championship caliber. I don't know whether the Bucs will win it, but they're championship caliber. But would we think any less of Dame if he got traded to, I don't know, the Raptors and ultimately maybe made a playoff appearance or two and 
finished his career as a Hall of Famer, an iconic Portland Trailblazer, a guy that will probably have, I would think, maybe a statue out front of, of Dame in Portland. But the fact that ring culture, got to be a champion to be truly evaluated. Carl Malone will never be thought of the same as Michael Jordan. Charles Barkley, never the same. And He's they keep bringing it up on TNT. Exactly. And so I don't know what the alternative, Chris, in the measuring of, of great players, great individuals, great teams. But I saw this from our own um, – I should read the tweet properly because I don't want to misquote it, but from our own guy, Chris Watkins. And I'll ask him when he's in here because I found this interesting when he was talking about Mike Trout because I think over the weekend it was kind of talked about Mike Trout for now – was content, I think was kind of the word, with the um, Angels. And a lot of people talk about Mike Trout's one of the greatest players of all time. Has, I think, one trip to the postseason, but really nothing of substance, right? Nothing of sub, uh, of any kind of substantial thing where you get either further proof and knowledge of what Mike Trout has become. So let me see where I can find Chris's tweet because I found this interesting. Yeah, I think uh, it was Jeff. He was reacting to Jeff Passan's tweet about Mike Trout saying he doesn't want to. He called being traded the easy way out. And then Chris Watkins' follow up was, "Can we please, as a nation, destigmatize running away from the grind? It's been long enough, Michael. Uh, Dame had to swallow the pill. Now it's on to you." I know what he's getting at. I know what he means. But will that make him better? Does that mean he's better? Can he get closer to an all-timer if he joined another team and won a title? Maybe that's all true. But I still think there are people that appreciate that. I don't feel any less of anybody that chooses the alternative route. But to me, Kevin Durant was going to be an all-timer. Is he validated more with the two rings and being the Warriors MVP, maybe, maybe for you, maybe for some of you. But I think he was the best player on that team, even with Steph. He was the one that had won the MVP in those two finals. He's a legend. He's one of the all-time greats. But even in this window, when he's argued to be like, I feel like I should be the face, or it could have been the face of the league. Well, LeBron is still doing it. And LeBron has continued to do it well, as is KD. But in the end, does it hurt KD that he's bounced around and, and joined teams? I think there is a charm to someone that stayed on the same team. And maybe I'm speaking my own internal uh, biases here as I've been at this station for almost 30 years. Other people in this industry do bounce around. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. That's more common than what I've done. But I, I like the careers of Tony Gwynn, of Kobe Bryant, of people that have stayed with one team and showed their greatness all the way through. I don't think any less, I think plenty great of Tony Gwynn. Uh, one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen. No title attached to his name, but maybe some people don't put him as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. It's an interesting argument. It's something we've created, though, in our measurement of greatness is on winning these titles, winning these awards, winning these MVPs, getting to these all-star games, and then complaining about the all-star games and complaining about the finals. That wasn't the greatest game. That was the greatest game I've ever seen. We, we try to put all these labels all the time, fair or unfair, and I don't think any of that is going to change. Um, still to come, we also have your opportunity coming up in our next segment. we got a giveaway coming your way. We'll explain that. And I want to get a few more thoughts on the NBA All-Star Game, maybe other potential tweaks as we've been discussing most of the show this morning. We've got that and more straight ahead here on Sackdown Sports.
need black and purple. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on your local sports leader, Sacktown Sports. Hey, right now is your opportunity to win. And what what might you win? Let's tell you about Hannibal Burris. Live Nation has teamed up with Sacktown Sports for your chance to see Hannibal Burris at the historic Crest Theater in downtown Sacramento. That's coming up next month, March 22nd. All you have to do is hit up the Folsom Lake Honda hotline right now. And we're looking for caller number four to score a pair of tickets to uh, see Hannibal Burris next month. If you want more information, visit SacktownSports.com. But Hannibal Burris, check him out. 1-800-920-1140 or 916-339-1140. Caller number four, Jason Ross, Christopher Lodd. Carmichael Dave is off this week. He joined us earlier in the show. He and the family out in uh, New York and in D.C. Spending some time. He'll be back with us, like we said, next week. I spent a couple days off last week. Uh, interesting. Uh, on uh, I was off Thursday and Friday. Saturday was also still in Los Angeles before I came back. And... Um, I think I, I know I told this story a year ago, um, but something similar happened. I had to call Chris right away on Saturday. So I was down in Manhattan Beach area and just lovely, gorgeous day on Saturday. And there's a place, if you're familiar with it, right down on the beach called The Strand where just people walk all the time and walk dogs, ride bikes, whatever. It's just a, a good place to, to be out and about. And people watch, look at amazing houses that you can't afford. And you just look and go, wow, there's like 10% of the people here. Must be nice to have this as your vacation home. Anyway, uh, a year ago, I was walking down there on the beach with the family and um, ran into someone that had connections here to Sacramento and to this station and had been a guest of the show at different times, but was looking and just go, oh my gosh. And at that time, it was Bill Horrenda. And if you, many of you remember, he used to be a Kings insider. We had him as a guest. Uh, his daughter actually used to work here at the station. So connections there, talked to him for a while. He's moved down there and had a good time. Um so I was walking with my son this Saturday down there, almost the same exact spot. And I started to think, hey, wouldn't it be weird if I ran into somebody again? I mean, I'm not in Sacramento. I don't know if I'll know someone. I grew up down in Southern California. So maybe, you know, I got a chance to run into someone from I know down there. But I was thinking more of along the lines of, wouldn't it be interesting if I ran into someone from here? And... Sure enough, I kid you not, within the next three minutes of that thought in my head, I'm walking on the strand, coming up to a house, and there's someone standing outside of the house. And as I'm getting closer, I think I know who this person is, and I think I recognize this person. And without saying who the person is yet, um, it is someone from here, and it is someone connected to the station. And... I was surprised, and I think that when I stopped to talk, that person was surprised too because I think we're both looking at each other going, what are you doing here? (laughs) When you see someone you know in an unfamiliar place, like if you're here in town and you run into someone at the grocery store that you know from here, I mean, it's a little different, but it makes sense. You're in Sacramento or the Sacramento area, but it was in Southern California on the beach at the, you know, in Manhattan Beach area, and the only other hint I'll give, so right away I had to call Chris because I think we played the game a year ago um, where I tried to guess, see if he could guess who I ran into. So I called Chris right away. I said, Chris, you'll never believe who I ran into. And then we started to go through the game a little bit, and he ultimately guessed it. But I uh, I think the hints I gave you, Chris, were, um, you know, I told you the story first. Remember last year, I ran into Bill Horrenda. I go, same thing. I, I just ran into someone. 
connected to the station. I say we kind of work with, but not work with. And then I had to give you a few more hints because I'm like, you literally talked to this person this week. Yes. You said you talked to them and I didn't. Yeah. So that was the meaning this was Thursday and Friday, the two days I was off. So you were guessing the right kind of people because that would mean guests of the show. But I ran into Kelly Brothers. Good at business. He is good at business. And it was it was really an uh, a good interaction. It was great talking to Kelly. Saw his family. They were down there for a family weekend for, for his daughter's college. Um, but you just never know who you're going to run into and where. So uh, that was fun. Chris, we ended up getting a winner there for our Hannibal Burroughs contest. We did. All right. Congrats to? Kevin. Kevin. Kevin is our big winner. Woo! Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's kick it. Um, so we will talk to Kelly. He will join us Thursday. And we'll we'll reenact our odd uh, running into one another on the Strand in Manhattan Beach. That was also the same day as some of the All-Star festivities. We talked about this earlier a little bit, but I wanted to get back into it about the NBA All-Star game. Kind of the disconnect, what's frustrating everybody. And we'll talk about this with Sam as well on Thursday. Sam had kind of written in one of his pieces about um, the design of the All-Star game. The East kind of made it a goal to score a bunch of points. No one had hit 200 before. The East got there and surpassed that. That bothered fans. That bothered people. But also the fact that maybe we now know that the players, I think, are looking at more financial incentives. And I know that's also a turnoff. I mean, it just is for people. It is for me to say, wait, you need that to play harder? Um, there are risks involved in playing in the All-Star game. Nobody wants to get hurt. I mean, that's the last thing anybody wants. But I do feel like there's some sort of middle ground that they could find. And if it takes, you know, getting paid, I, I just, I think right now the NBA is really good and really bad at the same thing. They're very transparent. They're very public. They're very aware, let's say it that way, of how they are perceived. They have given the players a voice. I don't think that's entirely bad, but sometimes too much of a voice. I think I've said it before. I don't personally think the last two-minute report is helpful. I don't. I know why they do it. I think being transparent can be good. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to allow myself to believe, and some of you may, that there are refs on the take or on the – I mean, I just don't – I don't want to allow myself to think that because then I'm just – why even watch any of this? So I know they're going to make a mistake. I know they may make five mistakes. I know they may have a clean game. I know there may be a perception of a call that's missed, and then the last two-minute report says they did miss it. And you go, that was wrong. That was missed. Well, they reviewed it more times at multiple angles and have come up with it not being a foul or a violation. But when there is one and you know it's wrong and Mike Brown comes out and uses the laptop and then the league comes out and, yeah, we missed it, what does that do? We know they missed. I know it. I know De'Aaron Fox turned the ball over. I know they missed a free throw. I know it. It doesn't – I don't need any validation of that. So I, I think the league, again, is back into a spot where they're transparent. There's good in that, but there's also bad. I think they've listened to their players. I think to to hear players saying they want more money for the All-Star game, to know now factually that some of the players were driven to win the in-season tournament based on money, based on being first. I, again, I don't know if that puts these players in a light that – we can relate or understand or appreciate more. 
I think these are the world class athletes. I think we I love the sport. I love watching them play. I think we we've got an area where we've kind of put these guys on a pedestal, but then you could just knock them down when you go, man, it really takes more money. Where's pride? A lot of times that's not there. They're thinking about, as Chris said earlier, their own brand, their own um, to get back to what people ultimately think of them. If I uh, enter this dunk contest as a big name and don't win, I'm going to be thought of in a lesser form. I'm going to put myself on the line. Steph put himself on the line. If he lost to Sabrina, some people would have made fun of that. I wouldn't have. What? 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 She's a great shooter. He's a great shooter. He defeated her. I don't think any less of her. I don't think any more of him or vice versa. But sometimes when you put yourself out on the line, you have stuff to lose in back into that brand. And so the league is very open about what they are, how transparent. Again, I think that's good, and I think in some areas – this has caused some some troubles for others helping to understand what they're trying to do, how they're trying to grow their own brand. So, again, I think the league is trying to do this for the better, but sometimes they end up getting in their own way. Frankie Cardicelli, he's not going to get in our way. He's only going to compliment the show. He's going to join us, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider. Got some questions for Frankie about this push to get to that top six, to get to that top four for the Kings and what they need to do to do so. We ask those and more to Frankie Cardicelli when he joins us next on Sacktown Sports at SacktownSports.com. Wait a minute. What up? I gotta make a correction. I'm at the pizza party and I'm eating hearty. It could be mighty meaty. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. It works like a jump, so if it ain't in a box, it ain't on my table. I can say it in German as best as I'm able. Lapsons can meet new designs and season. Let's get together for some good pizza eating. You can leave your wallet, because I am treating. But All right, back here on the show, time for our first guest of the day. Again, coming to you from our Folsom Lake Honda hotline, the one, the only Frankie Cardicelli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider, joining us here on our hotline. Good morning, Frankie. How are you? Uh, good morning, guys. Chris, for a lot of thank you for the the pizza party welcome. I was that was that's I'm a new a one. Guy. Oh, always nice to come on to just you know the warm welcome of uh, of a new song for for a new nickname. But uh, happy to be on with you guys. Did you have any pizza during your All Star break? <sighs> I might have. I might have had a little bit. <laughs> ah, yes. I might have had a little bit. Um, a little sounds like maybe. Did you have multiple days of pizza? No, just one. Just okay. one. We went we went down to Ta- up to Tahoe uh, for the weekend, and uh, I did have one. I had a little bit of pizza. wasn't great. wasn't oh. great. So I might have to have a redo pretty soon here. But uh, I had a little bit. There you go, uh, Frankie. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time. I didn't watch any of the All Star festivities live. I saw a bunch of it after the fact and recorded some stuff. Um, boy, the people get in get in fits and rage about the All Star game. To me, I've I've always dre- uh, treated it like an exhibition. It's never been perfect. I don't honestly care enough about it to think, oh, change this, change that, change this. But um, what if you did get to see anything, did you have any thoughts about what you did see over the weekend? You know, I took it in the same way you did. I Last year, compared to this year, it's completely different. Last year, we were lucky enough to get a chance to go down to Salt Lake City and, and watch the first, you know, Fox and Sabonis, the first duo of Kings teammates in 20 years to go to an All-Star game. So it was great to be there and experience that. But the product was, was underwhelming. I mean, I've, I've watched so many all-star games over the years and it seems like every year the the effort just gets you know reduced you know with each app which each, each passing game their effort is more no, noticeably less and i did check back on the highlights and again i, I saw all the backlash on social media and 
it does seem like a problem that the NBA is going to have to deal with. And I think that it was kind of uh, interesting timing that you see the first weekend without football hmm. of you know for the past six, seven months, eight months. Uh, the King, I mean, the the NBA probably should have taken advantage of that and scheduled some big, bigger games instead of the All Star game because I'm not sure if the All Star game is really the NBA's top product at this point. I'm not yeah. sure if that's what you want showcasing the game, but. Um, it seems like that there are a, a bunch of ideas out there of how to make this thing more competitive, and uh, I'm not sure what the right answer is. I think that the players ha- want to be incentivized to, to play these games, similar to what the play-in tournament was, and mm-hmm. we saw how successful the play-in tournament was with those players being in- incentivized and being paid. And it, it is also like a head scratcher as far as for for a lot of people how you know the NBA these, these players want to make more money, and you know that, that just is what it is what it is. These guys, it's an exhibition game; it, it has no meaning. It's not like the MLB All-Star game from years ago when the winner would determine who would have home field advantage in the World Series. This game, it means nothing. It's an exhibition game. So I'm not sure what the right answer is, but it's it's unfortunate to see the top talents in the NBA or the basketball world, uh, you know, they're together and just not playing, you know, to their best ability. It's tough to watch. I know we all wanted uh, some representation from Sacramento. We got that with Keegan Murray on Friday night, but um... – the fact that Fox and Simonas ultimately were not there, I, I did try to take positives in that, Frankie, and I hope those guys really did get quality family time, did get some rest, and really what matters most to, to Kings fans is a strong push. I hope we see even better versions of Fox and Sabonis after missing the All-Star game. And that's going to be the most important thing. I think what made the Kings so dangerous last year was the fact that De'Aaron Fox really hit the ground running going into postseason and we all saw what he did in the playoffs we I think there was a lot of questions surrounding what kind of player will De'Aaron Fox be when the lights are brightest in the playoffs and we saw it I mean he averaged nearly 30 points per game and and did so while nursing a broken finger at the back end so um, I think if he can get back to playing at that level and as we saw in the last two games going into the break he kind of reverted back to that form to, to that high scoring explosive player and we saw that especially in that last game going into the break that that explosiveness is there. And that's kind of what we haven't really seen from him. And there's been a lot of questions regarding, is he hurt? Is he playing through a shoulder injury? Um, and like you said, the, the best thing for him probably was getting that week off, you know, and getting off his feet and, and you know, taking that shoulder and, and having that downtime. I think that's going to be really big for him. For a lot of guys as well. I mean, Mike Brown even pointed out to Keegan Murray, who I, I, I was wondering if he was going to participate in, in the Rising Stars game. And he ended up doing it. Keegan Murray's a gamer, as we know. He played through a similar injury to what DeMontis Sabonis had last year with, with his thumb. Um, Keegan Murray played through that last year you know, really quietly, just you know, had his hand taped up and proved he, he's a gamer. So I, I think that having that aspect of it as well, having Keegan Murray have some time downtime after that Rising Stars game is going to be big. But um, the schedule is tough. I mean, the Kings still have a top eight uh, strength of schedule remaining in, in the NBA, and they're going to have a, an uphill battle. But uh, they have the, the talent on this roster to, to get where they want to go. You know, Frankie, earlier this year, I don't remember what time frame it was, but they actually had like a decent little break after a, a set of games. And after that, I thought like they got a new Harrison Barnes out of that. Like that break really helped rejuvenate him. And I, I'm hoping the same happens for him and some of these other guys that you kind of alluded to because, yeah, Fox has been has been good, but we know he can be great. And and maybe if there was something alien, ailing him or just the rest, I, I don't know, between Barnes – Fox and just everyone else you just hope that now the final 28 you get the best version of this group yeah I mean that's kind of been the Kings problem this year that I think when you look at last year their offense obviously a record-breaking offense and now you see multiple teams are are matching that output and above the offense in the NBA has been, has been so remarkable this year 
But for the Kings, there's been a lot of inconsistency this year. And it starts with Fox, who's been very inconsistent with his play. Obviously started the year off playing incredible and then fall, falls off, comes back, falls off a little bit more. Um, right now we saw him have a, a hot stretch of two games going to the break. But then you'll get guys, like you said, Harrison Barnes, who has had his moments, Kevin Herter, who uh, started off the season playing poorly, and now he's, he's been playing very well over the last 15, 20 games. I believe he's shooting above 44% for the last 15 games. Keegan Murray is the guy that I'm looking at, is, is a key to the Kings' second half. He really was going through a tough stretch uh, heading into the break, and maybe that's because of he's, he's been banged up again. Mike Brown did name him as a player that he was worried about on that last game. Um, if the Kings can get him to play at his best and be that 15, 20-point-per-game guy while still being their best on-ball defender, that's going to be huge. And if you can get consistency from all those guys, the Kings are going to be tough to watch, or tough to stop, because right now opposing teams are, are you know, the, the Kings' blueprint is obviously slow down to Aaron Fox. He's the head of the snake. But if that's going to happen, you have to have guys like Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, Keegan Murray, you know, Malik Monk, who's been playing very well, they have to, they have to stand up and, and take over in that role. But we've seen it from Malik Monk. We've seen it from guys like Herter and Barnes. And now I think it's Murray who, who has to come out of his cold stretch because the Kings really need their collective to be playing well if they're going to make a run in this tough, tough Western Conference. Talking with Frankie Cardicelli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider on our Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Uh, Frankie, uh, Monty McNair joined Carmichael Dave on this station on here on Sacktown Sports on Friday. And, you know, addressed many things in the first half, but really was a talking about what he's still trying to get to this year. And, you know, if the plan's a thing, sure, they'll they'll attack that. But really the goal of getting to the top six is, is priority one. And then the second part is if they can get to top four, which gets them home court. Um, it, it feels like both are doable. The four is, is going to take some work. But um, what do you think would keep them from getting to that, at least that first goal of being a top six team? I mean, we've just seen this team be very inconsistent. And I think if this current pattern continues where this team wins four in a row, loses three immediately, I mean, that's really just kind of been the story of this team. It's going to be hard for them to keep making that climb. But I think that one thing that really will help the Kings' chances, or it should on paper, is the fact that they play 17 of their final 28 games at home where they've won 62% of their games this year. They really have played well at home. They're going to have to prove it down the stretch. Again, they have some tough matchups. Just looking at the schedule here, March, there's there's just so many home games. But they play the New York Knicks, who've been really having red hot. They play the Bucks, who they haven't beaten in eight years. Hmm. You have Philadelphia, who you, you never know you're going to have in Philadelphia. Will Joel Embiid be back at that point? It doesn't seem likely. Uh, but you got Dallas in there who, twice, who the Kings are going to be battling in the standings. And, you know, like you said, it's right there in front of them. But the inconsistent play has definitely been something that's hampered their ability to I think that the, the 10 games over 500 mark has been a stretch or a, a point that they've really struggled to kind of get over and maintain. Can they get past that 10 games over mark and really just get off and running? Because that's kind of where those teams in that top four, they really, you know, they get over that mark and they just go. And the Kings haven't been able to do that. So I'm looking at this upcoming stretch of March specifically, all these home games, you have to take advantage of them. The teams that you should be on paper, there are not many, you know, quote unquote gimmies. Not that there have been anyway. The Kings obviously have struggled with teams that are, at the bottom of the standings, but you look at Thursday night's matchup against the Spurs, and mm-hmm. that's one right there that on paper you have to have when you look at the upcoming stretch where you play the Clippers and Heat on a back-to-back this weekend, then you play Denver on the road again, followed by another tough matchup against Minnesota. So there aren't many easier games, hence the Kings' tough strength of schedule where they're top three in the conference. But, you know, some teams are there ahead of them. Like Phoenix is the number one team in the league with as far as strength of schedule goes. Can the Kings take advantage of – of that and again they play them later in the year but um it's just a lot different than last year as far as the standings are really tight and 
there's there's not much space between these teams and you know, one bad week could change things a lot. So the Kings really need to be on top of their game and, and finish the year strong. You know, one thing that I feel like has been relatively a common thread when they win is multiple players play well. And my my question to you on this, Frankie, is if I told you four – because you're not going to get everybody playing well in a night. It's just tough to do. It's it, Stats-wise, it's just – but if the Kings have four players on a night, like we would say, oh, man, they were really good tonight – if I gave you their roster and said these four players are going to play well, which four would you pick in having the most impact on winning? Now, that may seem easy. You go, oh, Fox and Sabonis are two for sure, and then pick two others. But it may not be them knowing that, hey, they're likely going to do at least something pretty good, and you'd pick four other guys. So I'd be curious if I asked you four Kings play well in a night, what what has the biggest impact on them winning, or who would? I mean, obviously Fox and Sabonis are, are there, but okay. I, I'm looking at a, a couple other guys like Malik Monk. I think when Malik Monk is able to come off the bench and be that scoring punch like we've seen him do the, the past couple of games, I think it's four straight games, 20-plus points, it just changes the, the, the way the opposing defenses can attack the Kings, especially when Fox and Monk are on the floor at the same time at the end of games. Just having two guys that possess a similar skill set as far as they can get downhill and, and beat you at the rim and they can also knock down the three ball, that's going to be really tough to stop. And so, obviously, you have those three guys. And I'm looking at Keegan Murray, who I think is a catalyst. And as far as when, when he really is locked in on offense, when he's dialed in, and we've seen him do it before, even aside from that 47-point game, he's had multiple games this year with 25-plus points where he gets hot and he really is hard to slow down. And I think that the Kings could do a better job of feeding the hot hand, whether it be Keegan Murray, whether it be Barnes or, or Herter. I think when you have those big three of Fox, Sabonis, and Monk, I'm looking at them to be hot. And if, if Murray's my top choice as far as having him, when he, if he can be on, the Kings are going to be dangerous. But if Keegan Murray's having a down night and Kevin Hurd is feeling it, feed the hot hand. Whoever that fourth – that fourth player to me is whoever is having an, a, a hot night between Herder, Barnes, and Murray. Yeah. And it, it does change on a nightly basis. And if they can't find consistency and have one guy just be – you know, if Harrison Barnes can't be that 20-point scorer like he was for that week-long stretch, which I think is unrealistic to expect Harrison Barnes to score 20 points at night for the rest of the year – but I think that him, Herter, and Murray are capable of giving you 20-plus on any given night. And whoever is feeling it early, keep going to them. Feed the hot hand. The Kings have had a hard time with, with doing that because you want to keep getting your guys that are regularly in the lineup, like Fox and Sabonis. You want to keep giving them reps. But especially the nights that Fox doesn't have it, the offense kind of comes to a halt because when he's not knocking down shots, that means less opportunities for other guys because Fox is trying to get it going. So uh, I'd like to see more feeding the hot hand. and. I'm looking at Murray as that top option in that fourth spot, but it could be anybody any, any given night as long as the ball's falling. Yeah, that's why I was I was asking because I think it's interesting. I'm I'm with you. I think Fox and Sabonis. I mean, obviously, are such special players, and if they play at a high level, that makes the Kings tough. And I'm with you on Malik. Like that's a different wrinkle. I mean, he can score in quick bursts. He's a highlight reel every time. So the fourth player to me, Frankie, is interesting because there's arguments for Keegan, there's arguments for Herder, and there's arguments for Barnes, and I guess maybe even Lyles potentially, but. You know, you're probably always going to get good defense from Keegan. I, I just don't know the net win. It's better if if Herter gets 20, if Barnes gets 20, or Murray gets 20. It's great when one of them gets there, but I, I just wondered which, if there's a clear answer. And I don't know if that there is amongst those three. But you kind of lean towards Keegan. Yeah, that or like even like the bet. If I could just even like cheat a little bit and say my my fourth is just the collective bench unit. I mean, okay. you need a lot. Like good teams need a lot from their bench. I mean, again, right now the Kings obviously are a little thin. Sasha Vazenkov was was reemerging as a real player in the rotation, and now he's going to miss you know, a foreseeable amount of time, at least a month. But if you can have Lyles and Monk both going, it just really lengthens that Kings lineup and makes them really hard to, to stop and slow down. And that's what made them great last year, too, as far as 
Kings at Lyles, who's knocking down the three ball at a, at a at a great clip. He's still playing well this year. And then Malik Monk is is someone right now who's in the six man of the year conversation, maybe even a front runner mm-hmm. for the award, depending on how voters view it. I think it's between him, Tim Hardaway Jr. And, and you know, there's some other guys in that list that could be in there as well. But I think Malik Monk deserves to be at the top. If both those guys are going, and if you can get little some some meaningful minutes out of Davion Mitchell, who's been you know sporadic with this play, obviously, and now that Keon Ellis is is kind of reemerging in the rotation as well, if you can get some good minutes from those guys, it really will help the Kings is, in, in that run as as well because. Look, contending teams have really deep benches, and the Kings are going to have to have that if they want to make a run as well. But that's why I'm going to kind of lean and say Keegan's the, the guy I'm looking at to really be that, that true third option and, and be that fourth guy in, in that group. But if you can get a collective effort from the bench, that's going to make it just as well. All right, we've got Frankie Cardicelli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider. Frankie, hang tight for just a moment. we got a little more with Frankie, including we're going to ask him who he would like to see the Kings get in that first round, assuming they get there. We've got that, who's hot and who's not. We're back with more right after this on Sacktown Sports. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company and second opinion partner. All right, we've got more with Frankie Cardicelli here in just a moment. But first, Chris Verlaud, who is hot? That Messi Angelo. Yeah. I know that name, but why is he hot? Well, Sac State started their baseball season, Seems and up. he made it safely on base in eight of his first nine plate appearances for the team. Good eye, right? Yeah. Well, he got, got on base. base. Yeah. How do you do it? Well, I think we'll have to go to who's not. Oh. Okay. Well, let's segue to who's not then. Loyola Marymount pitchers. <laughs> Messi, Angel- Messi Angelo made it on base eight of his first nine, play- nine plate appearances. Because Marymount's pitcher hit him eight times this weekend. They hit him three times on Friday, four times on Saturday, only once on Sunday. Huh. They were nice on Sunday. It was a day of rest. Yeah. (laughs) What a start to your uh, season, huh? Just imagine getting hit that many times. I saw the video. Like, a lot of them were, I mean, he got hit, but some of them were, like, you know, on the shoe, on the left. But they hit him, kept getting hit. Wow. All right, there's who's hot and who's not as we bring back in Frankie Cardicelli, he's no Anthony Rizzo. No, but you know, it actually reminds me, I I led my JV baseball team in getting hit by pitches, and I always wondered why, because I'm a small guy, so it must be something with my face. It just must be <laughs> yeah, I can something see that. with face. Where were you getting hit? Uh, the numbers, man, <laughs> hitting, the, hitting the numbers. So it's gotta, there had to be a little more than a, a ball getting away. Maybe it just was my face. I don't know. All right. I, I probably need to change something with the with that. But Frankie, when it's baseball, when you lead the team, so it could be. I mean, that could be two. Were you getting hit twice, or was it like ten times? Um, it just was like a. It was at least in every other game. Wow. It, it it was pretty often. It was pretty. But again, you know, a uh, horrible baseball team in our league was not good. So yeah. I mean, obviously, I was playing every day, so it just wasn't that great. Were you so. standing right on the dish or what? No. No crowding. Uh, my my five three one hundred pound frame was was not, you know, was 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 not uh, enough. I think to to card the plate, but yeah. you know, probably something with the face. You were just a target. As we're talking with Frankie Cardicelli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider. Frankie, as we went to break, I was asking about uh, you know the Kings' goal of getting top six, ideally top four. Don't know where they're going to finish. Currently, they're eighth. But if you had a desired team, because to me, all of this is fine wherever they finish, as long as they get in the postseason. Uh, to me, it's about advancing. That's what they'd like to do. That shows improvement. Not sure they can, but we'll see if they can. Who would you think gives them the best chance of those Western Conference teams 
matchup-wise to advance? I mean, I guess any, anyone but the Pelicans is my easy answer. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm looking at it, and there, is, there really is no easy choice. I mean, obviously the Kings have played well, I think, collectively against OKC. And even in the game on Super Bowl Sunday, they, they really had a chance to make a comeback late. And they didn't have their A game that day, but they really matched up well against the Thunder. So I'd say the Thunder, and I'm, I'm going to sound probably a little crazier, but I, I feel like the Nuggets are mm. very, very dangerous. But I feel like the Kings, just the way that these teams are made, They've matched up well against them. And, again, Denver has played the Kings shorthanded a couple times. Um, but I, I think even so, the Kings have, have proven they can hang with them and kind of are, are not a, a carbon copy of the Nuggets by any means, but they have a similar skill set or similar blueprint as far as who their big men are and, and, and the high-scoring guards run the, run the show. So I'm looking at that. But then, again, my last one is Phoenix. I think the Kings have really, I don't want to say outplayed Phoenix every time they've played this year, but um, – the 22-point collapse obviously looms large. And then the, uh, about a week ago, now that loss where they really had a chance to take it late. Um, those are two games the Kings really should have had, in my opinion, and, and should be 4-0 against them this year. But now it's going to come down to facing them one more time for that home court advantage situation, or not home court advantage, the, the tiebreaker situation. So uh, Phoenix, Denver, and OKC are the teams I'm looking at as far as the Kings. I think they would be decent matchups. And the teams I'm not really thrilled, would not be thrilled to see, are Minnesota, the Clippers, who have played very well against the Kings, and the Pelicans, who really have owned the Kings each time they've played. So looking at those couple of teams as far as who I would would not want to play, but there really is no clear, easy answer. And uh, I think whoever the Kings do play in the first round is going to be a pretty big challenge. Why would you say that about Minnesota? I'd be curious about that one. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to last year, too, just that that team and the length they have really bothers the Kings, similar to what the Pelicans have, just length and, and intense defense. It really bothers the Kings and makes them uncomfortable. And uh, I'm looking at guys like you know Rudy Gobert, who – has has had a bounce back season this year. Jaden McDaniel, McDaniels has, has been really really good for that Minnesota Timberwolves team, and um, obviously Anthony Edwards is the guy the Kings have really just struggled to contain and, and keep in check. They've had to throw guys like Kessler Edwards at him to to slow him down, and I think it worked last year once, but this year has not has not worked as well. Uh, so I'm looking at Minnesota as a team that I, I think the Kings would probably be better avoiding in a first round series, but. Again, you, you never know. When the Kings are playing at the top of their game, they can beat anybody. I truly believe that. When the Kings are really dialed in and, and playing at that level, they can beat any team. Uh, but it's just a lot to ask for a seven-game series against those teams that just have a lot of length. Last year, everything was new and exciting, and I don't think it mattered. But I think we all kept thinking, could you imagine if the Kings got a chance to play the Warriors? And then they did, and it lived. I mean, it was an amazing series. So what if the Kings got in a playoff series again with the Warriors and or Lakers? How would you feel about that? I mean, I, I feel pretty good. I mean, if it's a seven-game playoff series, I think the Kings are are a better team than the Lakers and Warriors. I think that they they have more talent. They have they've proven they have more health at this time. Obviously, knock on wood. But um, I'm looking at that as as, as a, a win for the Kings, and honestly, something that could happen in in the play. And if the Kings don't take care of business and have to finish in the play, and there's a there's a pretty decent chance they'd play one of those two teams because I think it's going to be very hard for the Kings, Lakers, and Warriors, all three of those teams, to make a jump into those top six. Uh, spots. So I think it's going to come down to I'm looking at these teams, the the Lakers, Kings, Mavericks, Pelicans, uh, Suns. There's there's five teams for two spots. Like it's going to be a race. But if it comes down to the Kings and Warriors or Kings and Lakers in the playoff series, I think the Kings right now uh, have proven they can be a better team. And they've played the Lakers well with Davis and LeBron both available. And they've, they've played the, the Warriors well, even though the Warriors do seem like they have their ways of, of getting to the Kings and Maybe they have them figured out. Maybe they don't. But the games are always close, and they're all nail biters. So, I think a single game elimination 
a single game elimination situation is probably one the Kings want to avoid against Golden State. But I think that they match up well against them as well. All right, Frankie, thank you so much. We always appreciate it. I know you're fired up to see Victor Webinyama in the house on Thursday. That should be fun. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing that. And just going to be happy to get back in the building and let's start this playoff push. Let's do it. All right, Frankie Cardoselli, thank you so much. Check out all of Frankie's work on SacktownSports.com. And Frankie, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. That's uh, Frankie Cardoselli, our Sacktown Sports Kings insider. All right, final hour ahead. Still to come in the last hour, we got crosstalk with Styles and Watkins. What to watch, celebrity birthdays. But we start the last hour with Casey Pratt, our friend from ABC7 down there in the Bay Area. He's been all over this A's situation. What's the latest? Sacramento keeps coming up in the uh, top of mind as far as a team and a location they could land. We'll check in with Casey, get the latest on the A's. That is next here on Sacktown Sports.